What is up, everybody? <clears throat> I hope you are having a wonderful Saturday. This is being recorded the morning of Saturday, April the 15th, and premiering uh, on YouTube later this afternoon. My name is James Beatley, a.k.a. Junkyard Jimmy. I am the host of the Junkyard. We got a return to AEW that's getting mixed reviews I want to talk about here in this episode, but I also want to talk about, I think the first thing I want to talk about is how and why Tony Khan is a better booker than anybody in WWE. All of that's coming up here on The Junkyard. So let's go ahead and get into it. I'm sure your interest is peaked at what I just said there, but I totally agree with my statement. Tony Khan is a better booker than anybody in WWE, and this is why. WWE, and maybe again, it may be a little biased, and I'll admit that off the front, but WWE is focused on, they always focus on one story, as the main story, but let the rest of the program drag. So for the last three years, the WWE has focused on this bloodline story. And and admittedly, it's a pretty good story. I don't like a lot of the people that are taking part in it. Not a big fan of Roman Reigns or the Usos or Solo Sokoa. For the last three years, though, it's been their main story. And it's played it out and it's going to play out with somebody eventually topping Roman and the bloodline falling. And that's great stories. Are, the story is probably closer to the end than it is the beginning, but every other story, every other direction that they've gone to has been shit. There hasn't been another draw to, to cover up the rest of the card, everything has to be about this Bloodline story, which is why you get multiple segments a week on every single show with the Bloodline. Maybe, maybe a distant second is Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio, but it's nowhere in comparison to what the Bloodline storyline is in terms of how it's actually being booked and how it's actually being represented and, and, and all of that, right? So Tony Khan, on the other hand, uses this ability that he has four pay-per-views a year, so usually two to three months apart from each other, maybe sometimes four or five months apart from each other. He uses that opportunity to that that there's so much time in between each pay-per-view to slow build stories but bring in fresh interesting dream matches in the story could you imagine could you imagine that at some point in the build up 
to to WWE WrestleMania a couple weeks ago, Roman Reigns just for no reason, really no legitimate reason, had a non-title match against some big free agent that's making his debut. AEW does that all the time. Kenny Omega's in a storyline with the Blackpool Combat Club and just kind of in the middle of this storyline has a singles match with El Hijo de Vikingo, which is a dream match and one of the best matches of the year so far. And it's fresh, it's new, it gives it gives an interesting twist to the story, and then you can tie the story into each other. My problem with WWE booking is that the storyline progresses, but we get the same match week in and week out. And it's a, it's a fast build to the pay-per-view because they have a pay-per-view every three to four weeks. So you fast build and then you have the match. And then it's the same character again, fast build. Like, let's just be honest. How many people want to see the Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn again? We saw it at WrestleMania. Their story should have ended at WrestleMania. But because the bloodline is the biggest draw in the company, they're going to drag out this storyline again for who knows how long. Maybe till Backlash, maybe till SummerSlam, maybe longer than that. Because let's just face it, Roman's keeping the title. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, he's probably going to drop it at SummerSlam, blah, blah, blah. No, Roman's keeping the title and losing it at next year's WrestleMania. That's the only time it makes sense. You're, they're going to have to slow build this title reign, this boring story, and give us the same old crap for another year. I can't stand the way they're booking WWE. It's so bland and stale and something you would assume is in some like 12 o'clock soap opera. Like, you know, it, it seems like that. We're getting Matt Riddle back. He gets his big debut and now they're putting him back up against Solo Sokoa and finishing that story. But like we've seen Riddle fight the bloodline before his injury, and now we're going to see him fight him again after the injury. This is why I think Cody Rhodes should have won the title at WrestleMania because you're not building anybody. You're not building the next guy. You're not building the next superstar. You're just using refurbished and re- reused storylines again. And it's monotonous, and we know what's going to happen. It's predictable, and and quite honestly, it's boring. I can't stand the bloodline. They're boring to me. There's no charisma on anybody. Like I, I tried watching the opening segment to SmackDown on Friday. And Sammy and Kevin are going through their promo, and they're doing pretty good. Why? I have my own opinion on that. I'll drop that hot take in a second. But they're making their promo. They're working the crowd. They're doing great. The Usos come out, and they like they're they're WWE trained, so they're trying so hard to stay on script that like 
they fumble over their words a couple times, and it looks just so clumsy. It looks so, like, unrehearsed. There's no charisma. I was, it did not build to what I think it, they were trying to build, which was this big Matt Riddle spot. It was so weird, and Riddle's, like, his music didn't hit. Maybe he wanted just that surprise entry. Um, it was just so awkward, and there's no interest in it to me. There's no interest in this storyline because of the way it's booked and the way that they – so let me put it this way. So let me get back to why I think Tony Khan and AEW is booking – has a, an, a competitive advantage over in the book. While Tony Khan is slow to start storylines, meaning sometimes it's, it just seems like it's match after match after match with no enhancement on a story. And when it gets time for the last month and a half until the pay-per-view, Tony Khan is the best damn booker. You watched AEW on Wednesday. It might have been the best AEW in terms of storyline progression in the last two months, maybe since Revolution. Because here, here's how I look at it. WWE is, is slow to end storylines, meaning they will keep a storyline going far after it should have ended. And AEW is too slow to start storylines, meaning there's... A, Meaning like what I just said is typically the story doesn't build to where it's going to build to until we get to the month, month and a half before the pay-per-view. And we have three months of television to fill between pay-per-views. And the reason AEW, in my opinion, has a competitive advantage is because they are able to do these dream matches to and to fill the time between a pay-per-view and to when Tony Khan is ready to really push a, a story to the next pay-per-view. You don't see those type of dream matches in WWE. <laughs> Before I forget about it, what was his hot take I was going to drop? Why, why do I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are better, have more charisma, are better than a lot of WWE-trained people? It's because Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Gunther, they're my four favorite maybe in the WWE. Where did they get their start? They didn't start in WWE development. They started on the indie scene. It is my opinion. And you can hot take this all you want. It is my opinion that the people who start their their career journey in wrestling on the independent scene, who actually had to work a crowd and get a reaction, and there's not piped in sound, are better overall wrestlers in terms of in-ring and on the mic compared to those who start their career in NXT or at the Performance Center and work their way up. And I know Roman maybe had a little bit of time um, in FCW before WWE took it over. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. Um, but 
he was boring then. He was boring in NXT. He was boring in the Shield. He had no charisma as the big dog when he beat The Undertaker. I loved that time frame when people would boo Roman Reigns because he was he beat The Undertaker's streak. I was at that Raw after WrestleMania when he came out and booed him for like 15 minutes straight. Best night of my life just because of that. He's He doesn't know how to work the crowd. Roman is an actor at this point. He's here to continue the storyline and leave. He, he he's not going to work the crowd. He's not you know he's not great in the ring. He's going to have his five move uh, move set and that's it. You look at but you look at even Cody Rhodes. I think became a better performer after he went to the indie scene. I think Drew McIntyre became the performer that he is today because he left WWE, went to the Indies, had to work in England for quite a while, which the England crowd is hard to please. Now he can come back and he can work a crowd. Drew McIntyre is great because of that. Gunther. Uh, Becky Lynch. She started in the in the... Uh, Australia, Germany, European wrestling scene. The people who 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 start their career in the independent scene and are not WWE trained from start to finish are, in my opinion, are the best wrestlers. And that's why I think NXT is so boring because it's WWE trained people with no charisma, with no ability to tell a promo. I watched NXT, I believe it was either this week or last week, and Zoe Stark tried to cut a promo, and it was the worst promo I think I've ever heard in my life. I think you could grab a random stranger off the side of the road, and they could have cut a better promo than that. It was awful. And it was setting up a match with Indy Hartwell. And the promo was just so bad. So bad. But you look at the women's scene in AEW, it may not be in the greatest of shape, but all the women can talk on the mic. All the women can tell a promo. Britt Baker's one of the best on the mic. Soraya's good on the mic. Jamie Hayter's good on the mic. And there's another hot take I'll put there. And it's because Tony Khan allows their um, wrestlers to ad-lib within the perimeters of where he wants. So he'll, he gives a... a, bl- a direction of where he wants the promo to go. Now you have a blank canvas to fill in the blanks where, and, and what you're exactly going to say. There's no script. It, it's kind of, it's like, here's your, here's the topic I want you to talk about. Now go out there and talk about it, but I'm not going to give you a script. That's this, what makes AEW cool. But back to this topic again, the AE Tony Khan is a better booker. Because he finishes storylines when they need to finish, and he starts storylines when they need to start. And he gives us dream matches in between to fill the time in between. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? WrestleMania ends, and we had... No, none of these smaller pay-per-views. The next pay-per-view, SummerSlam, and we had three months of Roman Reigns doing nothing. Like, 
Well, we're probably going to get that anyway because we're not going to see Roman again probably until Saudi Arabia, which is the end of May. So you have your guy win the title in early April and go basically two whole months without him being shown on TV. That's the champion they have. Ridiculous, in my opinion. Bad booking. Um, But Tony Khan is able to fill in these gaps. And the cool thing is, is we're going to have 12 or 13 matches at double or nothing in about five weeks. That's almost guaranteed. AEW pay-per-views are very stacked, top to bottom. But you don't get the same story every week because, because they only have two hours of dynamite. You're going to get maybe three stories a week, but it's not going to be the same three stories. I love this storyline that they're pushing right now for the AEW title. We come out, I think, immediately after Revolution ended. I think that was March, yeah. And and we have MJF come out and talk about how he beat Danielson, um, blah, blah, blah. And then the uh, Darby comes out and Sammy comes out and Jungle Boy comes out. And now the four pillars are standing in the ring. They all are talking about how they want a title shot. And we're wondering, how are they going to put this together? And they're doing it perfectly. The next week, Jungle Boy has a singles match. He wins. MJF comes out. They cut promos on each other. Setting up seeds for that match. The week after, Sammy Guevara has a singles match. Wins against his opponent. MJF comes out. They spit talk, shit talk. On each other, setting up a continuation of this feud. Last week, Darby has a match on Dynamite. Wins. MJF comes out. Cuts a promo. Stink Stink comes out. Cuts another promo on MJF. Setting setting the stage for what probably is going to be a fatal four-way match for the title at Double or Nothing. But they're setting it up perfectly. The one thing I love about AEW is we're a month and a half away from Double or Nothing, and there are no confirmed matches on the card. The card doesn't get confirmed until a couple weeks before. And I love that because you go to WWE and you'll have matches confirmed for shows for two months, and now you just got to anticipate this slow build for two months, and it makes no sense to me. Why WWE will confirm a show, a, a match at a pay-per-view that's two months away when so much could happen in, in, in that period of time that can cause that match not to go through. If your in-ring product is good, you don't need to promote matches for two months to get people to show up. You don't. If that was the case, AEW would have... Ha- um, been promoting the main event of their Wembley show to start selling tickets today. But they're not going to do that. You know when they're going to start advertising? Probably when the Wembley show's in August. So it's probably going to, they're not going to start talking about who's going to be the main event probably until the middle of July. But tickets are already going to be on sale. But because people are so interested and so hyped for AEW, the tickets will sell before the main event gets announced. 
By the way, I think the main event of that on, on a quick tangent there is going to be um, whoever wins the uh, title at Double or Nothing, which I'm, I think is going to be Maxwell. I think he ends up somehow cheating his way into winning that match. Maxwell's going to fight CM Punk or CM Punk's going to fight Kenny Omega, and that'll be your main event of the Wembley show. Um, I believe, in my opinion. Um, but let's get to what I really want to talk about today, which is Jeff Hardy. <clears throat> and he made his return to AEW this week, and it came to a lot of mixed opinions. I saw a lot of people on on the Twitter side of things and on the Facebook side of things really upset that he came back. Oh, it's just going to happen again. How long until he gets another DUI? Why do y'all keep enabling him? Blah, 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 blah. And then I see people on the TikTok side of things, and they absolutely lost their ever-living fucking mind when his music popped and they gave him this big welcome. And and I, I'm going to be honest. I, I am happy that Jeff is back. I am happy that Jeff Hardy is back in wrestling because he's had an unfair, an unfair ending to his career at this point. And I just want him to make his career right and have, and walk out on his top. And I don't think it's fair for wrestling fans to condemn Jeff Hardy for his demons, for his problems, but yet place people from the 80s and the 90s on a pedestal as if it just because it was acceptable back then, they were allowed to do it. But it's not acceptable now. And so Jeff has to be like this martyr for for this because he made a, a decision that was not ter- too terribly smart. I guess people tend to forget about the fact that when Tony Khan signed Jeff Hardy and he had his last incident where he had his license stripped, I think, for 10 years. He had to serve like 40 days in jail, had to go to a rehab program. Tony Khan kept him on the books. He gave him a paycheck. He wasn't going to pay him, but he kept him on on the payroll so Hardy can get the insurance to pay for the rehab, and he wasn't going to pay Jeff Hardy until he completed it and can prove that he could maintain some level of sobriety and not have and not drive with a license and not drive with a suspended license and and all of this stuff and i think the line can't be drawn at jeff hardy and then you just like let jay uso or jimmy uso or, they've both had dui problems they just get a free pass because they're part of the noi family like is that what it is is because they're like in their prime so you can't you can't put him on the same pedestal. You look at like Matt Riddle, who's confirmed that he does, you know, weed and marijuana and WWE changed their policy because of that. So that he can wrestle and do what he wants to do. All of that is fine. 
And maybe Riddle shouldn't be an example because it, I don't know if he's done anything to harm others while on the on the substance. But but still, here's the thing. Jeff Hardy served his time. He had his sentence. He did what he had to do. He's on probation. You know, he's taken the punishment for his actions. From what I can tell, he's in the best shape he's been in quite a while. AEW's taking care of him. Why should he not get another run in professional wrestling? Why should the Hardy Boys not tag team one more time, get one more tag team championship run, and then sail into the sunset and retire, and that's it? Because Jeff made a mistake. Several times he made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. We've all had our issues. We've all had our demons that we've had to settle with. And Jeff, is he chose to, the wrong way to settle with his demons. And he paid the price for that. Why should he be perma-banned perma from the industry? Because he made a mistake that he's already paid for with jail time, with lost paycheck, with rehab, with all of that, why should he be ostracized from the company, from the industry? While other guys are placed on in positions of great on a pedestal, the Usos are my biggest example. They've made the same mistake, maybe not as frequent, but frequency shouldn't matter. They've made the same mistake. And they get several tag team runs. They get, you know, the biggest push of any tag team in WWE. They don't get criticized as much as Jey Uso does. They don't have to be embarrassed on WWE television for his past. Jeff Hardy had a whole fucking storyline based around his sobriety issues. And you wonder why he wanted to leave WWE. My problem is, is there's so many people in the wrestling community that are so quick to judge and not show grace and not show forgiveness for someone who's already done his time. They're so quick to judge him when they have their own problems. From what we can tell, Jeff Hardy's in the best shape mentally, physically, of his life, of his career for the last, you know, several years. And if you don't want to use the Usos past to judge, just to, to judge them, don't use Jeff Hardy's past to judge him in his current state. You don't know where he's at. He seems to have gotten over this hurdle in his career. Let him finish his career out. He doesn't have much time left. He's an all-time legend in the industry. And we're going to judge him for a, a mistake that he made. Maybe, maybe not mistakes too soft of a term. For a choice that he made that could have ended very badly. Worse than it did. But he paid his time for it. So it's time to move on. 
and, and allow him the opportunity, allow him the grace to show that he has moved past this. And if he can't move past this, then we judge that accordingly. But let's not make preconceived notions based on past choices and allow him to show us that he's changed. And that's just not the wrestling community. And I can get on my high horse here for a minute and, and or on my, uh, on my, uh, on my, uh, I can't think of the word, but I can preach for a minute. That's not just the wrestling community. That's the community and the, the culture at large is we're so quick to cancel and to judge and to criticize people without showing uh, or allowing them the grace to show that they've changed their perspective on things, whether that's they made a bad decision or they have a really weird opinion about something. Allow them the opportunity to learn from that choice or that opinion to learn why maybe it's wrong or, or preconceived without any sort of or, and, and ignorance. Allow them to learn about it or fix the mistake, fix the choice, and give them the opportunity to prove to you that they have changed. I don't like this, like, Jeff Hardy shouldn't be allowed in the industry because he made one bad choice again. And I know he's done it several times here lately in the past several years, but so have the Usos. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't, you can't have one be okay and the other not. So if Jeff Hardy shouldn't be allowed back in the industry, then the Usos should lose their job as well. Because they've done the same thing. Maybe not so much as frequency, but like I said earlier, frequency doesn't matter. It's the same decision. They both did the same thing. They drove under the influence. Whatever Uso got caught started uh, berating the police officer that pulled him over. Is that a good thing to, sh- to teach? Or is it because just because the Usos are like heel wrestlers, they're, it's allowed to skirt under, you know? And we can't place these wrestlers from the 80s and the 90s on a pedestal when we know that they had drug and alcohol problems. They talk about it all the time, that they drunk all the time on the road and they, drunk and they drove while drinking under the... Just because the culture has changed and is no longer acceptable doesn't mean... We should treat it any any different. Jeff made a mistake. He he paid for his mistake. He's or he paid for his actions of of his choices. He he's working to fix them. Let him enjoy the last couple years, maybe last year of his career, and retire on his own terms instead of just trying to kick him out of the damn industry for a choice that he made and has paid for. So I welcome Jeff Hardy. I am excited to see what AEW does with the Hardy Boys. This story that they're building looks really fucking good. And I hope the Hardys get one last chance to fight for a a tag team title before they end their career. Because believe it or not, it's coming to an end. The Hardys have been in the industry for quite a while. They're not going to be able to do this forever. Matt's wrestling has already started to show signs of, you know, of fatigue and just 
age, and that's understandable. Let them get one good run and then run off into the sunset on their own terms. Let me know what you guys think. That's about all I had to say on that. Um, what do you think about AEW? Are they a better booker? Does Tony Khan book better shows when they mean something than WWE? Or does WWE have the overall best booking right now? Let me know what y'all think in the comments. I appreciate y'all for taking the time to listen to this. What, what are your thoughts on the Jeff Hardy situation? Let me know. Subscribe to the channel. You get this show. I hope to try to do this every week. Hopefully live instead of recorded. But You'll get this show every week. You get the Colin Audible's podcast every week on Thursdays live at 9 p.m. Subscribe to this channel. Um, and maybe you'll get a couple extra shows that hop on here and do a live stream every once in a while. We'll we'll, we'll see what, what's in the works there. But, but for now, this has been another episode of The Junkyard. I am your host, Junkyard Jimmy. And until next time, we're going to close the lid on the junk.